God bless you, everyone. My name is Dave, and uh, we're going to be talking about identity. Um, first, we're going to talk about what's part of our identity. Uh, provision from God comes from listening. It's part of your identity. See, number one, God provides. God uses people to listen, so be ready. So here's a story of uh, provision. Uh, as the boat was sinking, you know, the ship is sinking, the skipper, the ship's captain yells out, does anyone know how to pray? And one man answered, he said in confidence, yes, captain, I do. I know how to pray. And the captain says, you go ahead and pray. The rest of us will put on life jackets. We're one short. <laughs> so the moral of the story is God provides. Be ready for God's provision. Now, God uses people to listen. Two young boys were spending the night at their grandparents'. At bedtime, the two boys knelt beside their beds to say their prayers. The youngest boy began praying at the top of his lungs. He said, I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for a new Xbox, a new PlayStation. I pray for a new computer. His older brother leaned over and asked, Why are you shouting? God isn't deaf. And the little brother replied, No, but Grandma is. <laughs> so be used as a vessel. Listen to other people's prayers. Now, I'm going to talk about what happened last week. Last week, uh, Pastor Melly was teaching the class, and the title of the class was, Who Am I? That's the part of the series. The Holy Spirit instructed the prophetess of the house to focus on identity. And that's why Pastor Melly spoke last week about identity versus personality. She put logic to the test. Pastor Melly said, If you don't know who you are, how can you possibly believe in the God we are trying to teach you about? She goes on to say, we are suffering from multiple personalities. 97%, I should say, stay in the same state. Pastor Melly concludes by saying, unless you realize who you are, how can you believe what you are being taught? You see, losing identity is following a generation of culture that has no identity. Pastor Melly laid it all out by explaining that we live in a society with personality disorder, and that is the root of our lost identity. It was explained that your personality is not you. Your personality is how you act. Everyone is trying to follow a personality, and that is how they act. A personality disorder comes from copying what is not real. It's not from God. People who are stuck stay stuck because they choose to follow a personality instead of trying to be who God wants you to be. Okay, so that's, that's what happened last week. Let's talk about what's happening this week. The title of today's message is, The Purpose is the Truth in Your Identity. Our agenda is, number one, man is made in God's image. That's the good identity. Number two, the Sodom and Gomorrah story. That's in the book of Genesis. We're going to talk about that. That's the bad identity. Number three, the journey on the road of life. That's living with an identity. Number four, who you are and what you do. Those are the seasonal changes in life related to your identity. That's what we'll be talking about. Number five, what is your value? This is your God-given significance. And number six, the hurt we have and pass on. And this is what we do generation to generation. The series topic uh, that we're doing here, uh, Who Am I, is timely. Just recently we talked about it at the Braveheart of Men's 
meeting on Friday, May 7th at the Resurrection Center. The meeting was titled, The Design of Your Identity. It was on Friday, May 7th. We asked the question, who am I? We discovered we have an identity that is designed by God. We talked about who you are and where you are going. We first learned that man is made in God's image. We are intended to be modeled after God. That is why we are his children. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the scripture says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Did you hear me say male and female? So now I'm going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. There are two cities mentioned in the book of Genesis. Take a look at chapter 19 in the book of Genesis and you'll learn about it. It's a good example of lost identity resulting in uh, people asking, Who am I? Or others asking, Who are you? See, uh, the, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah have been used historically to understand God's disapproval of certain sexual behaviors. For example, a sodomite is a person who commits sodomy. Sodomy is illicit behavior not designed by God. You see, evil is all around us in today's society, from lying and stealing to pornography, drugs, illicit sex and violence, etc. Other sins that are an abomination to God are described in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. See, the study of homosexuality is in the Bible that goes that some uh, churches uh, and ministers are afraid to talk about. Probably they're afraid to talk about it because it goes against their marketing. Basically, in Genesis chapter 19, God sends two angels disguised as men to Sodom, where the men of Sodom threaten to rape them. What is that? That's called homosexuality. You see, same-sex rape was a common tactic of aggression and humiliation in the ancient world. Let's see, it's part of history. God then destroys the city with fire and brimstone. So let me give you an understanding of what homosexuality is discussed about in the Bible. Um, the first one is sin that is so grievous. You'll see that in Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. Um, the discussion, you have to study the next four scriptures together, sort of as a package. And this is how you know that homosexuality is a, a sin. Uh, Genesis chapter 19, verse 4 through 8. Jude chapter 1, verse 7. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 50. And 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 9. We'll cover that in another class, maybe. So study those four scriptures together. Then there's the discussion of God's disapproval of sin. Genesis chapter 19, verse 13 through 15, and then God's uh, judgment on sin, which is uh, Genesis uh, chapter 19, verse 24 through 28. So now you know what the Bible says about the LGBTQIA, and LGBTQIA stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, and asexual. We also learned our position that God placed us in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13. We are to be leaders of the land God gave us. We are to be bold and aware of who we are. 
It's part of my identity. So I'll read to you Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. And again, that's Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13. Now, where are my Facebook friends out there? Are you here, my Facebook friends? See, have you seen confused people? Did you ever see a post on Facebook that said, your porn name, your pornographic name, your porn name is your favorite color and the last food you ate? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I know what a yellow banana is, but it's not a person. And who is blue spaghetti? Who is purple linguine? What's with you people? Why answer such a thing? You don't need Facebook to tell you who you are. So, why are you here today? Why are you here today? Is, is it the free popcorn? Why are you here? Look at your actions. You had a purpose and you did something. You got in a car, you went in a direction, and you had a destination. What is your direct destination? Why are you here? What are you doing here? The answer is it relates to your identity. So, let's talk about your identity. My parents told me I could be anyone I want to be. Did your parents ever say that to you? Well, it turns out that identity theft is a crime. <laughs> What's up with that? It bothers me that someone may steal my identity and use it to make thousands of dollars behind my back. It mostly bothers me because I currently have my identity and I can't figure out how to do that. So our journey in life and the road we travel, we're going to talk about that. On the road of life, there are traffic lights. Traffic lights are in green, yellow, and red. That means go, caution, and stop. Our caution comes from fear. We stop because we don't believe. Fear and not believing. What is that? It comes from not knowing who we are in Christ. Today, we learn who we are in Christ. Our first stop in our journey is to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We might say something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask you for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. You see, people sin because it's human nature to do so. We are born into sin, but we can start moving in the right direction from sin. It's a choice, a choice. Consider Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. And that's Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Do you notice that there's a choice, obedience and disobedience? Imagine that. See, God created and gave to mankind the gift of free will, the gift of choice. He could have easily made us like robots, but he didn't. We can choose to know who we are in Christ, or we can choose to be blue spaghetti. God made us for the purpose of relationship and love. Both relationships and love are only possible in a world where we have the power to choose. God designed us to know how to make the right choice. We can celebrate this with Psalms, uh, chapter 139, verse 14. 
And the scripture reads, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And again, that's in Psalms chapter 139, verse 14. Even with free will, we need to show constraint. Through biblical principles, we are still morally responsible for choices and actions. Free will is one thing, and being morally responsible is another. People know about free will. People know about being morally responsible. But even fewer people uh, than that know that being morally responsible can be learned through biblical principles. We know that because of church attendance. Few people are learning. Who are you and what are you doing? What, is, what you do is based on who you are. Who you are determines what you do. Who you are, what are you doing? Who are you, I should say, and what are you doing? It changes each season of your life. Here's an example. As a toddler, I'm David sucking my thumb. As a kid, I'm a reader and a runner. I love books and I love to run. As a boy, I was an ice skater and a baseball player. I was a bad baseball player, but I played. As a youth, I was sort of a tech guy. I did programming computers, fixing tractors and motorcycles. Yeah, I know how to fix a Tecumseh carburetor. I've done a few. I've also replaced a connecting rod during the blizzard of 1978 in Boston so that roadways could be clear. And as an older guy, I'm a husband, an uncle, a mentor, a teacher, a friend, and more. Even my jokes are getting better. Sort of. When I was young, I did foolish things. Later, I lived through the consequences. Now I'm older, I do not do foolish things. That's called experience. Experience turns into wisdom. We understand this through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. And the scripture reads, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Scripture shows us that we change over time. This changes our identity of who we are. We change how we relate to people too. Do you notice that your circle of influence becomes larger? You impact more people? Do you notice that your skills and talents don't matter? It's what you do with the people that matter? God gave you skills and talents, so he's not impressed. He knows what he gave. He's impressed with what you do with them for his kingdom. Character and integrity can be very impressive. It determines who you are in Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. So, now let's ask the question, do you have value? What is your value? Do you, do you ever feel you are in a place where no one sees your value? A story I found on the web, check this out. There are enough variations of the story to show it could be slightly stretched, but it teaches a good lesson. A father said to his daughter, You graduated with honors. Here is a car I acquired many years ago. It is several years old, but before I give it to you, take it to the used car lot downtown and tell them I want to sell it and see how much they offer you. The daughter went to the used car lot, returned to her father and said, they offered me $1,000 because it looks very worn out. The father said, take the car to the pawn shop. 
The daughter went to the pawn shop, returned to her father, and said, the pawn shop offered me $100 because it's a very old car. The father asked his daughter to go to the car club and show them the car. The daughter took the car to the club and returned and told her father, some people in the club offered me $100,000 for it since it's a 1968 Pontiac Grand Prix with a 450 cubic inch engine, that's about 7.5 liters, with eight lug nuts on the rims and dual exhaust resonators off a carbureted engine. A black vinyl top with powder blue paint, job accented with heavy chrome grille on the front. It's an iconic car and sought out by many. The father said to his daughter, the right place values you the right way. If you are not valued, do not be angry. It means you are in the wrong place. Those who know your value are those who appreciate you. Never stay in a place where no one sees your value. You see, here's the understanding of the story. God knows your value and puts you in the place where your value can be seen. It's because you have purpose. That purpose has value. God wants it to shine. Don't be at the wrong place. Knowing your value is the first step to asking for what you deserve. God has placed value on your life because you are his child. You are a child of God with a purpose. That purpose has a God-given value that goes beyond what anyone can pay for. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the scripture reads, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And of course, Jeremiah 29.11 teaches us our value in the kingdom of God's glory. And, it, and the scripture reads, Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You see, God has a plan for you. Your plans are not God's plans. God created you for his plans, not yours. See, God's plan is the identity he has for you. As a creation of God, the identity God has for you is part of a much larger plan than your plan. People facing difficult situations today can take comfort in Jeremiah 29, 11, knowing that it is not a promise to immediately rescue us from hardship or suffering, but rather a promise that God has a plan for our lives regardless of our current situation. God can work through it to prosper us and give us hope. Oh, and about the 1968 Pontiac Grand Prix with a 450 cubic engine? My mother had one for 23 years, and yes, it was powder blue with eight lug nuts on the mag. Oh, and the sound of the engine, unbelievable. Now let's talk about the past hurt and, and how we pass the hurt to the future. Uh, the past hurt us, and we pass the hurt to the future. Recently, I was reading my devotional and focused on meditation during a private prayer and worship with my wife. I posted my reading on Facebook. Uh, Blue Spaghetti must have seen it. I think Purple Linguini unfriended me. I still don't know who Yellow Banana is. I was reading in my devotional, parents that are constantly terror-stricken can easily pass this fear to their children. The passage goes on to talk about children. When they reach adulthood, their hearts are the seedbed 
in which the devil grows fear. See, parents have the responsibility to care for their children's emotional well-being. Fathers, don't provoke your children so that they won't be discouraged. That's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Your fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. That's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Put prayer into your life. Remember the letters in prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R, -E mean pray regularly as your everyday routine. That means to have a daily communication with God so that you are not alone. You can defeat fear with God's word in the Bible. The victory is part of the identity God wants you to have. I like that. Victory equals identity. You see, God is good. In 2nd of Samuel, chapter 22, verse 33 through 35, it is God who, warn, who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You see, you can develop an attitude of victory so that you can defy fear and banish frustration. Be persistent. Let the word in the Bible given by God take root in your life to have a radical influence to overcome fear and anxiety. It is done in faith. What is faith? Faith is belief in God's glory, trust in his word, and trust in helping you triumph over fear. So have faith. Believe in God's salvation. Trust in his promises. Be obedient to his principles. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 through 3, the scripture says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, you abandon any image of yourself that is not from God. You start believing what God says about you. Jeremiah 29, 11 shows that God has a given purpose for you. The Bible says that when your identity is rooted in Christ, the fruits you produce in your life will be the evidence of your identity. So one of the best ways to be able to tell if someone truly has their identity rooted in Christ is by looking for the fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. An easy way to listen to how they talk. Now let me tell you about Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And again, that's in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. Listen to how you talk. Listen to yourself. Do you show the fruits of the Spirit? Or do you complain, fight, argue, show pride? Knowing your God-given identity gives you a confirmation of who God is and increases your faith. You know that you're already equipped to do what God is calling you to do as seen in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. And you have faith that God will do his work through you as a vessel. No longer do you need to worry about what other people think or even what you think about yourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, the scripture says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. You see, God looks at you and sees someone he loves, someone he desires to be close with, someone in need of a savior. God looks at you and sees someone he loves, someone he desires to be close with. 
He looks for you in need of a Savior. Your true identity is formed through self-awareness and biblical principles. It's by letting go of selfishness and pride. Then your choices become aligned with what God called you to be. It's your true identity. Your God-given identity is one that discards selfishness and personal desires. God desires his people to be saved. And God desires to have us to be with him in eternity, only with him. And as you all know, nothing is powerful enough to stop God and what he has planned. In conclusion, we started our talk tonight about the road of life. We said that there were traffic lights on that road. Traffic lights are in green, yellow, and red. That means go, caution, and stop. The only road where you can blow through a red light is on the highway to heaven. Know who you are and be all that God wants you to be. Nothing will slow you down. Nothing will stop you. We learned a lot today. What did we learn? We learned, number one, man is made in God's image. That's the good identity. Number two, we learned about the Sodom and Gomorrah story. That's the bad identity. Number three, we talked about the journey on the road of life. That's living with your identity. Number four, we talked about who you are and what you do, those seasonal changes as you grow and evolve. Number five, we asked uh, about what is your value. That's the God-given significance. And number six, we talked about the hurt we have to pass on. And those are the generational curses. So let's all stand up and let's raise our hands and let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, we ask that we fully let go of our anxiety and fear. We choose to believe in you. Today, Lord, we remind ourselves of our dependency on you. For we know in our hearts that our circumstances and futures are touched by your hands. Help us, Lord, when we are struggling to see clearly and make decisions. Bless us with inner peace. Thank you for giving us the strength to help each other. We look to you, Lord, for the power and possibility that is our future. We ask for your guidance so that we might walk fully in your path, a path that you have blessed. We also ask for your face to shine on us. Please bring to fulfillment all that you have given us to do in the weeks ahead. Give us a heart of wisdom to hear your voice and then make our footsteps firm. Please make us strong through your favor and grace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining me. My name is Dave.